Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. Money Talk on WTMJ for a feels like fall kind of a Saturday, a 21st. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano is here, Derek Felsky, and uh, Mark Oswald. And what a week it was, Dave. It really was. You know, you look at what's been happening with the Dow Jones and as well as the S&P and NASDAQ all at record highs and really big numbers we've seen across the board. And this, Derek, is in the face of a continued conversation of a trade war with China and rising rates by the Federal Reserve. But that's not the story. The story is better numbers all around. Yeah, the economic data has been strong uh, throughout. We're still looking for over 20% earnings growth in Q3 and Q4. Uh, we're expecting a 4% GDP number for Q3. So the economy continues to, to move ahead, uh, largely due to tax stimulus, but also strong top-line growth for most American companies. And I think that's really interesting because it's the trade wars and the tariffs that get all the headlines. But under that is corporate profits. And I mean, that's what drives stock prices is companies on the top line revenue and on the bottom line profits. Well, let's be honest. To be, the stories that are getting the right. headlines are negative, right? Yep. And we've talked about this a lot on this radio show, is that for sure that the headlines are negative and they get the attention. But you have to look past that. You have to look at the good news, which is really good economic numbers. And the, you know, we talk about the Federal Reserve and the numbers that they're looking at and that they're going to raise rates. They're raising rates, Derek, because the economy is good. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, the Federal Reserve and, and fiscal stimulus. And one of the, the nice things about fiscal stimulus is it really does give the Fed the latitude to normalize rates. In other words, raise rates to a more natural level without negatively impacting the economy and causing the dollar to skyrocket. You know, that's one of the things that I think listeners should be aware of is we talk a lot on this show about monetary policy and fiscal policy. And those are two completely different things, Derek. And I think for investors to understand what we're talking about every Saturday morning is understand the difference between monetary policy and fiscal policy. Well, monetary policy essentially is set by the Federal Reserve, a, a body that's supposed to be independent from the political gyrations in Washington. Uh, fiscal policy is, is policy legislated through the House and the Senate and essentially approved by the president who was in charge at that particular point in time. And what we've seen since 2009, essentially, was monetary policy carry the day right up until the right up until subsequent to the Trump election, where we actually saw some very strong fiscal measures, notwithstanding some of the things that were done at the height of the financial crisis. So things you'd put in the monetary policy basket would be the Fed, what the Fed does in September, what they do in December, what they do in 2019. Things you'd put in the fiscal policy basket would be taxes and revenue and repatriation and all that kind of stuff. So it's important for investors to understand the difference between those two things because they impact stock prices and bond prices differently. Well, they do. And let me just jump in, Derek, because you know when you talk about policy, policy can change if the makeup of the political bodies change. And it's a question that we are getting from our clients often. But what I, you know, what's interesting about this, this instance, though, is that typically you see 
fiscal policy when you're in a recession. You're trying to stimulate the economy. Uh, you're trying to get put people back to work. You're trying to get companies to spend. You're trying to get business confidence to increase. But what we saw this time is is after an eight-year recovery for the economy, we, we initiated fiscal policy. So in some senses, we've prolonged the rally. We've, we've enhanced corporate profitability, and we've boosted business confidence well into an economic cycle that began in 2009. And when that happens, we're seeing an acceleration of a lot of things uh, economically. But I think the takeaway, Derek, when you're giving morphine to a recovering patient, there's a lot of things that can happen, and it could overheat. And I think the Federal Reserve is going to have to look at that. Well, they are. And right now we're looking for almost 100% probability that they raise rates next week. Uh, a likelihood of a December rate hike is, is north of 75%. And, and one of the things, Mark, we've talked a lot about is the, the nature of a Goldilocks economy, where it's growing at a, at a good rate, but not too hot to cause a, a restrictive move on the part of the Fed. So you're starting to see GDP numbers that are predicted to be north of 4%. And as that starts to happen, you use the words overheat. You're looking at inflation. You're looking at employment. You're looking at GDP as signposts as to when this economic expansion could cease. But, Derek, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen out there in terms of volatility, and we can certainly talk about that after the break because we've got the elections coming up. Certainly we're going to see some volatility in the markets prior to that. So there's a lot of great news, and I don't want to be a buzzkill, but there's uh, some topics that we're going to have to take after the break. Dave Spano and Mark Oswald and Derek Felsky. Money Talk, it's 1013 at WTMJ. Yeah, 56 degrees. It definitely feels like fall. Hey, coming up, we got Retirement Roadmap. This is for you, Delafield, for the Lake Country folks that are listening. Retirement Roadmap is an absolutely free event. It's a conversation because Annex never sells anything. We can't. That's not what we do. Retirement Roadmap is really a guide how to set up and uh, map out the the plan to manage your retirement. This happens at our Delafield office on Sun Valley Drive. Six o'clock starts, and uh, you can sign up for that at AnnexWealth.com. Just go to the Events tab. Again, that's October 4th, a retirement roadmap with Annex Wealth Management. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk Annex Wealth Management for the 21st. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano is here, our Chief Investment Officer, Derek Felsky, and Mark Oswald as well. What a week for cannabis stocks. I mean, you can call it anything you want, a pot stock, a cannabis stock. It was in the news, and it, people that, that could could care less about that category. We're talking about it. What was the stock up 70% in one day? There was one stock, and it certainly was the one-hit wonder. It's called Tilray, Derek. And uh, tell our listeners about it. Well, well, Tilray is a Canadian company that, that basically specializes in me- medical marijuana. And what got people excited is they, they got permission by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency to import cannabis from Canada to test its efficacy in treating a neurological disorder. So not only are we talking about cannabis, uh, potentially being added to beverages and, and the like. We're also talking about some treatment methodologies that could broaden its appeal. So basically the entire week was one dominated by the volatility in some of these stocks. So it was a joint venture, I heard. <laughs> Way to pile on. Anyways, so you know, there's a lot of things that have been happening, and that certainly was of interest as that stock has just skyrocketed. And there's a lot of things that can that we can talk about in that space. I don't want to get too high on it and, and, and keep moving on. So, so Derek, you know, there is 
is uh, there's a lot of things that are happening that we should cover outside of that area. And, you know, we talk about tariff talk, and I know we, we spent a little bit of time talking about it in the last segment, but there is this talk that there's going to be additional tariffs on what has already been imposed, and the Chinese are saying, fine, let's just wait till after the election to even have this conversation. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the, the trade rhetoric has died down somewhat. I mean, that the second $200 billion in, in tariffs is, is basically a 10%, not 25 which is what the Trump administration initially asked for. And then a, a key representative from China mentioned that they don't intend to deflate the currency, which I think is the thing that most people are worried about, that the Chinese, if given no other possible response, they'll devalue the currency, which will improve the competitiveness of their exports and essentially offset the negative impact of tariffs. So we've got a couple of things going on, obviously, and there always are. You've got the tariff talk and you've got the midterm elections coming up. What, what do you think has a bigger impact on the volatility of the markets over the next couple of months? And what can, what can investors kind of look forward to between now and the end of the year as we get into that fourth quarter? Well, I think what's frustrated people, if you think about it, even though the S&P closed at a new all-time high this week, it's only up 2% in eight months, during a period in which corporate earnings were up dramatically, the economy grew substantially, and, and essentially buyback and dividend increases continue to pace. So uh, to my way of thinking, between now and the midterms, we've got to see the Fed. We've got to see what those minutes are, because I, to me, the guidance that they give is way more important than the fact that they raised a rate, which we know is a, a fait accompli. Uh, the other thing we have to pay attention to is what the composition of the House and Senate will be. I don't think the market is expecting one party to maintain control of both the House and the Senate. I think they're thinking the Democrats will probably retake the House and the Republicans will maintain control of the Senate. And that can change. And obviously, we've learned in the past that polls aren't necessarily accurate. No, that's for sure. And so I, we're not putting a lot of effort into those polls. But I will tell you, we are watching them. And there's things that, that, that should caution investors. But you made a really good point, And that is that we're not on a sugar rush yet. I mean, we have seen a number of things happening. But you've uh, you quoted Sir John Templeton to me this week. Yeah, what Sir John Templeton said you know, a century ago was that but bull markets are born in pessimism, grow on skepticism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. And while certainly some of the moves in, in marijuana stocks was euphoric, as, as one would expect, I suppose, um, the fact of the matter is that investors remain somewhat cautious. For example, I saw a Gallup poll released this week that showed that only 55 of American households own stocks. That's 55%. after 55%. 55 after a nine-year bull market, whereas 65% of households owned stock prior to the, the uh, financial crisis in 2007 and 2008. So the public is clearly not on board. But the one thing that also they also said was that, that institutional portfolio managers have the highest allocation of American stocks that they've had in the last 17 years. So there's a lot there. But what, what it says to me is the bull market is has further to run, that there's not euphoria. There is still some level of skepticism. And in our view, after the midterm, some of that skepticism will subside. Okay, we're going to take a break because uh, I think we've exhausted our uh, cannabis puns, but we'll be back. Coming up, we have a uh, conversation with our planning department about layoffs. Unemployment level is very low in Wisconsin, but uh, layoffs still happen. Uh, there's reductions in forces, whatever you want to call it. That still happens. If that is happening to you, what are the steps you should take? We're going to do that next on Money Talk on WTMJ. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. 
Team Technology Trust. This is a team segment, and we are going to talk about layoffs. So everybody in the studio who's been laid off before, raise your hand. Okay, I see three. So the three <laughs> people that are about to talk to you have been laid off. My name is Danny Clayton. Randy Winkler is the CFP, Financial Planning Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Patty Tobin, Wealth Manager, first time on the show. Welcome. Thank you. What do we need to know about it? I know that we all roll our eyes when we hear the comment, change is good, you just want to shut the door and walk away. But in many instances, it is a good thing, and you have to start putting a positive spin on that. So take time to reflect, go through your emotions, but then think about how you can redefine yourself and move on. I was thinking about my situation, and it led to a career change and a much more enjoyable job that I've been doing for 20 years now. Exactly. The next thing we probably want to talk about is what sort of a severance agreement do you have from your company? They may be offering some sort of job counseling. You may be getting pay for a certain period of time, resume writing, uh, a clinic possibly. Outplacement Out- services? Oh, is that you. what that yeah. is? Yes. Outplacement yes. services. What services are they offering and what benefits do you have before you determine where you're going to go? Sometimes it's a paper slid across the desk and nobody should sign right away. We've got clients that come to us and say, hey, I need some advice on this. What should I do? For instance, where we were talking about outplacement services, if it's not being offered to you, go to HR and say, would you be willing on my behalf to support me in resume writing, mock interviews, and things of that nature. So people are always out there to help. Randy, let's talk a little bit about health insurance. That's very important. That's probably one of the most important things you need to consider. You definitely don't want to have a health issue when you don't have health insurance. So you need to assess where you're at, what's being offered by the company. Uh, but you do have some options. Uh, if you have got a spouse that has insurance, you could take a look at getting on their plan. There's always something called COBRA, which you can get 18 months of coverage. It's rather expensive. I've worked with somebody who had a saying one time that I really liked, insurance is expensive until you need it. Right. And that is very, very cheap. Alternatively, you can take a step back and evaluate some lower cost options until you get into an employed situation that provides that benefit. Randy, if you had clients come in, just I would think it's human nature to be completely freaked out. Right. Because when it happens to you, it's very, very personal. And we've seen it happen many, many times. So we can not depersonalize it, but take a look at it from a more clinical standpoint. Here's the steps we want to do. These are the things that we want to take a look at and come up with a plan. When you've got a plan, you feel better than if you're just floundering. Patty Tobin, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Usually in a, when we advise people, we always talk about the emergency fund. People exactly. should have an emergency fund. It is very important, and it really uh, has played an important role in my life. Uh, and it also is what we were talking about before with our health insurance gap. It acts as an income gap. So as you cut your expenses and start dipping into your emergency fund, which is typically anywhere from three to six months, having that emergency fund gives you peace of mind that you will be able to cover your day-to-day expenses while concurrently cutting back. And that's a very important time to talk to your advisor as well because we know all of the intricacy, the geeky things that we talk about here involving taxes. You can take some money out of certain accounts and it's not going to hurt you from a tax standpoint. You can take them out from the wrong account. It's going to hurt you from a tax standpoint and a penalty standpoint. How do we put a game plan in place to bridge the gap, as Patty mentioned, for short-term or long-term? So hopefully you get severance probably some unemployment, but does severance and unemployment fight each other at all? You can take one but not the other? It depends if your severance is part of a continuation of employment. I will speak from my experience. I was considered continuously employed for the four months and was being paid that severance. So I could not get unemployment until that severance period had expired. You also had a very good story about what happened when you were trying to bridge the gap with income. Oh, that was a really silly story. So when I was trying to bridge my income gap and I was on unemployment, I thought, all right, I'll just pick up some side jobs to get some additional income. Not thinking clearly, I decided to take on some temporary work, and that subsequently ended my unemployment benefit because I was considered employed by the temporary agency. 
I no longer had unemployment. I no longer had time to really look for my ideal job because I was so busy doing temp work that I finally resigned from that position. I always kind of had a side hustle, and whether it was doing part-time work or voice work, which cut directly into the unemployment. In a way, I thought, why am I even doing this? Why am I continuing to work? But I needed to stay busy, and many people do. You almost need an employment consultant to get you through that period of time until you get to the new job, and we can help with that. The next thing that we want to talk about is your retirement plan. Uh, Very often you've got a 401k plan, and this is where we see a lot of people make really, really big mistakes that you can't recover from. Without getting too complicated, there's different circumstances based on the amount of money you have in your plan. If you have less than $1,000, you have 90 days to do something with it, or the company can just send you a check. You do not want that to happen because they're going to withhold taxes. If you're below 59 and a half, there's going to be a penalty. You're going to want to take some action, get some guidance. If it's above 5000 you can leave it. By law, that they have to keep it in the plan. Between 1000 and 5000 in the plan, it's really up to the plan sponsor what they want to do. And Randy, nice job of keeping it simple. And to make it even increasingly more simple, I would just say just don't touch it. So if it is over $5,000, leave it. Uh, there is an opportunity to do rollovers in the future. But if you start rolling your 401k over prematurely, you lose some other opportunities that it's a little too complex to discuss right now, but always talking to your financial financial advisor would guide you through that process. Any other steps we should know about? Well, there are some opportunities. You generally don't think of that when something bad happens like a layoff, but based on your situation, there could be the opportunity to take advantage of your lower tax bracket you're going to be in. So let's say that you're in the 24% bracket while you're working. Once you're laid off, you end the year and you're in the 12% bracket. There's an opportunity there to convert some of your IRA or your 401k based on the circumstances that Patty mentioned. We wouldn't just jump into that. We could convert that, pay taxes at a very low rate, so we don't have to pay them in the future at a higher rate. If you're in a fortunate position where you have some stock or equity holdings, it's also a good time if you want to take some of those gains because you're being a lower tax bracket as well as a lower capital gain rate. So there are opportunities even when something like this happens. A good rule of thumb for any time there's a life event, talk to your advisor. Yep, you can do that at AnnexWealth.com, 262-786-6363. The website, AnnexWealth.com, we're set up for you with a bunch of locations. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Our buddy Tom Parks is back. He's Director of Retirement Plan Services here at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for having me back. I had an Ask Annex that was kind of left over, and I thought if anybody should get this, you should get it, okay? All righty. Let's I, hear I, what you got. I recently took a job and think my new company's 401k is terrible. <laughs> with Uh limited choices and only a small match. Whose responsibility is it to provide a better plan? I'm too new to say anything, but will eventually. Yes, I should have asked before taking the job. So it depends on the company where you work, who's in charge of the retirement plan. Usually it's going to be an HR manager or the controller or the CFO if your company, and not everyone has all those precise positions within their company. Otherwise, it's the owner of the company, depending on the situation. You know, this is the time of year when people are looking for forward to open enrollment. A lot of the people who are responsible for company benefits are doing reviews of the providers. And whereas with health benefits, that has to be done every year. With 401ks, it actually does not. Once you set up a 401k, it kind of goes on until you decide to do something different with it. That said, a lot of people say, well, as long as we're going through the review of the other stuff, let's include the 401k in our overall benefits reviews. I thought I had a good 401k at my last company. It was fine. Ours is really good. I'm going to guess since we 
help consult companies on this, it yes. behooves us to have a pretty good one. We do try to do the not do as I say. Right. <laughs> we try to do as we say. We've got a whole lot more options available. Not too many. I think sometimes you can get too many. It gets a little bit confusing. You know what? That's a really interesting point. So here at Annex, just given the nature of the, the place that we work and the people who work here, there were some people who said, hey, you know, it would be neat if we had access to even more stuff. And as part of the committee, there's a fiduciary committee that looks at our plan, just like you know, we encourage our clients to do. And it is a careful balance. More does not always equal better. So you want to strike that balance of having a fully diversified, good stuff for people to choose from without making it overwhelming. What I didn't like was five funds or something like that. I mean, I, I just wanted a few more. Yeah. What we often see when we're looking at our clients and they, they're showing us their 401k statement, because that's part of our overall financial planning, right? And we look at that. What we so frequently see is in the fixed income area, you'll see like one fund, the intermediate term bond fund. And that's where a lack of diversification is for us problematic when tr we're trying to construct portfolios. On the equity side, then what you'll find in the same plan, they'll have one fixed income and then they'll have six large cap growth funds. And yeah. it's like, what, right. what are you doing here? You're you right, know? right. Tom Parks from Annex Wealth Management is here. He is director of our retirement services. So when we go in and we start working with a company, what are the steps? It depends. First thing we do is we review the plan that they have. More often than not, the provider that they have, so let's say their plan is at Fidelity or it's at Voya or Empower or wherever it happens to be, we usually recommend that they leave it where it is because moving it from that one place to another is a big deal. It requires a lot of notifications and all sorts of stuff. But then we start looking at, okay, what is the investment lineup? How are the fees structured within that uh, arrangement that you have? And a lot of times that's where we'll do some tweaking. We'll say, keep it where it is, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of change around the way this is done because it's fundamentally not where we want it to sure. be. So somebody's somewhat dissatisfied with their 401k and they just think that they maybe could do better. Is it a difficult conversation with HR or is it? No, they usually welcome it, honestly. And, and our clients have told us they, with our clients, they always refer people back to us and we talk about that stuff. I've found that our clients, whether the HR, the controller, whomever, they like getting those questions from people because then they know that people are engaged in the plan. If you go to your the person responsible for the plan and say, hey, why is it that we don't have XYZ? That's an easy conversation to have. What if that person doesn't know? And they might not just because they're busy doing HR yeah. stuff. That's a big part of what we do for our clients is we help them understand the things that they're responsible for as planned fiduciaries. And I think there is a lot of comfort that they get that we know what we're talking about. So they do rely on us that say, well, I, I get it in concept. And if push comes to shove, will come to you for the details because we know that you're keeping an eye on it. But it is the fiduciary duty of your employer to understand what are the services that are you getting? What are you paying for those services? Is it reasonable? It gets tricky in retirement plans because of just the different ways you can construct the pricing and plans that you just want to make sure you understand it for sure. What is the HR or CFO? What do they do? How do they shop for somebody? And, and again, we've got our hand raised yeah. because we do this. That's a great question. The most important thing is they, they want to make sure they trust who they're dealing with. Usually, it does start with the advisor, so the people who are in the position that we're in, because it's our job to act on their behalf in their best interest. These days, if you're not working with a fiduciary advisor, you're going to be soon. It's just there's no reason for planned fiduciaries not to work. If you're just working with a broker who's earning commissions on a 401k plan, that's just not how things are done anymore. So the incoming phone call to you would be like, Tom, can you look at what we have and, and let us know what you think? Is it, is, yeah. is it as simple as that? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. There are a few key pieces of information that we can look at to get a sense of what's going on. And then we give people an idea of what we found and what some recommendations might be that we have. It's a lot like the free portfolio review that we 
we do for individuals, except it's for a 401k and the information is just a little bit different. Coming up in October, which sometimes seems far away, but here we are in middle of September. Yeah, it's yeah. not that far away at all, actually. So on October 2nd, we are hosting an event at the Discovery World, and it really is an educational event for people who are in a position to make decisions about benefits. Obviously, there will be a more heavy focus on retirement plans, but we are going to talk about how technology is affecting the benefits landscape and how different programs can integrate with one another and the ways that people can leverage technology to deliver them better to their employees and to just make it a more meaningful benefit overall. So who goes to that? People who are in a position to influence the decision of who is going to be the provider for the benefits, whether they be health insurance, 401k, things like that. Okay. All right. And again, when's this happen? It is happening on October 2nd. We're going to provide breakfast and lunch. So it's an early half day thing. Um, we want everyone to be able to get back to work by, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. So it starts at eight o'clock in the morning. We're going to have a keynote speaker talk about cybersecurity and some other demographic trends that are happening. And then we're going to have a panel of some experts and they're actually going to be in interacting with the people in attendance. So we'll, people have an opportunity to get some questions in for the panel. And then lastly, we're going to have a little peer group breakout. So I think it's helpful to hear from the experts, but it's also helpful to hear from the guy who works at a business down the road. What are you guys doing? You know, what could we be doing better? I think it'll be time well spent. And some people can get continuing education credits, right? That is correct. So That's CPD, right. SHRM, you know, you can get something for coming in addition to the good info. Cool. Thanks, Tom Park. It's uh, 1043 WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. And Mandy, you're our regular. Yeah, I'm like back. The, you're like the Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live. Right. You're, you're always here. Okay, this is Ask Annex. And folks, we are wide open for questions. We'd love to hear from you. AnnexWealth.com slash ask. This is from Wayne. For RMDs, are IRA balances and 401k balances addressed separately? I know if I have multiple IRAs, I can make RMDs from one or a combination thereof. Let's start with uh, some definitions there, because we need to talk a little bit about what an RMD is before we can answer that question. Right. Alphabet soup. Yeah. RMD stands for required minimum distribution. And once you hit that magic age of 70 and a half, the IRS forces you to start taking money out of your qualified accounts. I just ask a dumb question. Why? Why, if you've made it that far, why? Because at some point in time, Uncle Sam needs its kick at the exactly. That's it. So yeah. okay. that's it. It's because that's as long as the government will let you defer taxes before they want to start to get that income from you while you're still alive. And so you look at all kinds of different RMD questions, depending on whether it's an inherited IRA or whether it's a, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. And we can talk about all those, but let's answer the question in hand here because you get to be 70 and a half. Let's say you have a 401k balance and you have three or four different IRA accounts also with balances. Mm -hmm. How do you calculate your RMD? Well, you can, like as the question said, you can calculate your RMD on all your IRAs. Take it from any combination of one, one or the other. You know, generally, you know, we just want to make sure that you just satisfy it within those IRAs. 401k is separate. If you have a 401k with an employer, calculate that RMD. You have to take that RMD from the 401k. You cannot go to IRA over here and try to satisfy it from taking the money from your IRA. What if you're still working for that employer? Then you can defer it. So if you're 71, still working for your employer, you don't have to take your RMD. But the key is you still have to be working as of 1231 at midnight that day, still got to be on payroll. And to be real clear about that, you don't have to take the RMD from the 401k 
but you still have to take the RMD from the IRAs. Correct. It's just the 401k with the employer you are still actively working for. And we have conversations with people who are, you know, looking at retiring maybe early 70s. If they retire in June, you do have to take your RMD for that year. So you have to take it before December 31st of that year. And then before December 31st of every year after that. So, you know, you get a situation where people are trying to control their income for a lot of different reasons, Mandy, whether it's because of Medicare, whether it's because of Social Security, because they have other earned income. There's a lot of different reasons that people want to do this. So there are questions to be had in the planning process. If you get to that point in time, your health is not a consideration, you want to continue to work. You could certainly think about working, especially if it's something you love to do, because you would you would stop that RMD from having to come out of that 401k. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about people with this a lot and, it's, you know, put, keep putting money into that 401k because now you're just deferring it and you don't have to take any money out yet. Yes, you may have some IRAs that are out there that you have to take the IRMD on, but maybe that's supplementing some cash flow needs at that point. Let's shift over to Roths because I think that's a little bit different, and I think people should Mm -hmm. be clear about Roths versus non-Roths. In a Roth world, Roth IRA, first of all, what are the RMD requirements for a Roth IRA? It's an IRA Roth here that we're talking about. There right. are no RMD requirements on that. And if, it, if it's yours, inherited, is that's a different question. But right. if it's your Roth IRA, no RMDs. Now, when you have a Roth 401k, is that the same? No, it is not. You have to take a required minimum distribution on a Roth 401k. So that's just, if you're no longer working for an employer, got that Roth 401k, you may want to get it out of there. I hope you're getting all this, Danny, because there's a lot of different rules, obviously, involved with required minimum distributions. And it's really important stuff because, Mandy, what happens if you don't take your RMD? 50% penalty on that RMD amount. So if you have an RMD that's 5000 IRS not only wants to tax you on that, but they're going to give you a 50% penalty of 2500 Okay, now you got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? And, you know, we've come across this in the past. You know, we help people who, with previous advisors or maybe just weren't well informed of this RMD requirement. Well, what's interesting, too, is I'm working on a case right now where there was a, a woman with another firm, and she inherited an a IRA 15 years ago and didn't know about it and now has come to find out that she owes all this interest and penalties, so talk to a planner. Yes. And we've got a great one, Mandy Nowashinsky. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Annex Wealth Management, it is Team Technology Trust. We're going to talk about annuity analysis and got some of our teammates in here. Brandon Arps, Associate Wealth Manager, and Eric Strom, Financial Planning Specialist. Brandon, your first time on the show. Welcome. It is, Danny. Thank you for having me. Good to have you. Eric, you're an old pro at this. Uh, you kind of got a nose for annuities, right? Thanks for having me back. Always happy to be on the show. This conversation is going to cover a couple of things that you guys see when you analyze annuities that are part of portfolios. And it seems easy to get confused by the complexity or the levels of of annuity. You see them every day. So am I right? Danny, you are absolutely right. Annuities are some of the most complicated investment vehicles that you have out there. Many of them have riders, which can complicate them even further. There's so many facets that you have to take into account when you're analyzing an annuity. What are the benefits on the base policy? What are some of the riders that might be on their offering? They could be having special death benefits or special income benefits. It is really hard to wrap your mind around these sometimes. Yeah, you've confused me already. Okay. Uh, Brandon, 
Brian, you find the same thing? A lot of these annuities are so complex that there's issue after issue after company after company. And when you're talking about fees, when you're talking about the purpose of an annuity, in some cases, one does something completely different than another. Just looking at annuities from a, a far off distance, a lot of them do have a purpose and serve people quite well. I think it's very important to, to know what you have and to be confident in your decision for that investment. Sometimes what even happens is that, you know, maybe that advisor that sold you that annuity is, is even retiring at the same age that you are. And now you're kind of stuck with maybe a self-directed type of approach where you don't really have anybody to rely on or to give you that direction on where should you be taking some supplemental in retirement income from? You know, what do I have in my portfolio? Where's my allocation? Am I too risky? Am I too conservative? You know, those types of questions are things that we address here every day. Brandon Arps, Associate Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Eric Strom is our financial planning specialist, the nose for annuities. So when you put the lab coat on, right, and you go into and analyze these things, what are you looking for, Eric? Many times we're sitting down with a client who bought a product 5, 10, 15 years ago that has not been looked at since. One thing we look at is fees. Clients are oftentimes paying thousands and thousands of dollars in fees, and sometimes they don't realize that they are paying that much in fees. Sometimes it's okay to be paying a lot of fees because those contracts where you see the highest fees typically have what we call income benefits. And sometimes the income benefit is so good that it's worth paying all those fees. In fact, I met with a client just yesterday who owned many annuities. Some of these annuities from an income perspective were excellent. They had really strong benefits where the client can turn on the income, get a guaranteed paycheck for the rest of his life, and it was just a big thumbs up. So it worked. It, it worked. Right. Yeah. But one of these many annuities that he owned had fees that were so high and had no income benefit on this annuity. Oh, going back five years during a big time bull market, his annuity had actually gone down in value. I had the exact opposite happen in one, one of the recent meetings that I had with a client where they were taking income from some of these annuities. They actually saw that their contract was increasing in value. The one thing that they didn't take into consideration was the amount of risk that they were taking within, within that particular annuity. However, when we actually got into taking a look at what those investments were within the annuity, they were flabbergasted to find out that 100%, 90% of the portfolio was actually in equities. It's a very, very, very risky allocation for individuals who are otherwise more conservative. That was an eye-opener to them knowing that, hey, you know, nobody really looked at this for the last 10 or 15 years. We thought it was one thing. It turned out to be another thing, and that should raise a red flag. The vast majority of listeners out there who own annuities own variable annuities. What that means is that the money in your annuity is actually being invested. And this is such a crucial time to have someone look at your annuity. Sitting here today, many, many people who own variable annuities have actually outperformed their guarantee. So they're sitting in a situation where it's the best of both worlds. Not only did they build up this great guaranteed income, but because the market has been performing so well, this is an extra important time. If you own an annuity today to get it looked at, because it's very possible that you could make a small change, lock in all of those gains that we've all experienced with this market that just keeps on going up. You benefited from that, and maybe now's the time to get it professionally looked at and maybe ratchet that risk down so 
that you can benefit from all the gains that you've experienced. That is one part of what we do at Annex Wealth Management. The difference is team, technology, and trust. Brandon Arp, Associate Wealth Manager, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Danny. Eric Strom, always good to see you. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Out of time, but we can help you. 262-786-6363 or our website, AnnexWealth.com. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.